0: straight games with at least 110 scrimmage yards and a touchdown for Jonathan Taylor. What a guy. Welcome into Fantasy Football Today DFS on Tuesday, November 16th. Frank Stanfield, joined, as always, by Mike McClure and Cena Jha today on the podcast. Like we do every Tuesday, we're going to recap Week 10's action. We'll take a look at our cash and GPP lineups. We'll also uh, take a look at who won our FFT DFS contest and what that lineup looked like. They won by the slimmest of margins, .10 was first place wow. versus second place in our contest this week. Uh, we'll take an early look at week 11 pricing, and then uh, we'll wrap up with a few Thursday Night Football Showdown thoughts. We have the Patriots at the Falcons. The Patriots are seven-point favorites, 47.5 point total, and would you look at that? All of a sudden, the Patriots look like the Patriots again. Their defense is playing well. Mac Jones uh, looks like the best rookie quarterback so far. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll talk about it a little bit later on. Mike, what's going on, man? That Jonathan Taylor guy? Pretty good. I would argue him and CMC are probably the most valuable running backs in fantasy right now. I was going to say DFS, but obviously you have to factor in like salary and ownership and all that, but uh, just from like raw points perspective, I think it's probably CMC and JT right now.
1: Yeah, definitely. Those guys are at the top. I was very encouraged by what I saw from Christian McCaffrey again this week. The workload went up. Um, And then Jonathan Taylor, what can you say? I mean, he's just an absolute workhorse. The fantasy production he had in that game could have frankly, been double. Uh, he, he could have a, approached 40 points anyway in that game. So, yeah, he's absolute stud and fire away. Keep playing him. You know, as long as the value keeps opening up across the slate, which it tends to do at this point in the NFL season, uh, he's definitely someone that's going to be in your player pool pretty much every
0: week. Oh, yeah. And uh, we've we've got quite a bit of value already and it's only Tuesday. So I imagine even more stuff is going to open up uh, as the week rolls on here. Kudos to you, Mike. I know that last week we were talking about Christian McCaffrey. You said... If he has a Christian McCaffrey game, what happens? He's going to get bumped up about five, six hundred dollars in salary. That's exactly what happened. Uh, CMC, I believe, eighty nine hundred in DraftKings on DraftKings this week, which makes him the highest priced player on the slate. See, you, what's going on, man? How was Week Ten for you?
2: Week 10 was pretty good. I actually had Jonathan Taylor in pretty much every lineup. A couple things didn't go my way. I, I, mean, I If Josh Allen had gotten a few more touchdowns instead of guys like Isaiah McKenzie and Matt Breida, Devin oh, Singletary, geez. I would have had really a fantastic week. But I got to say what's so interesting about this last week was I got to go back to Mike because he has been on the Kansas City Chiefs. Even when things were going bad, he kept telling us, Kansas City Chiefs, Kansas City Chiefs. And how unfortunate for him that as everybody's sort of <laughs> jumping off the bandwagon, he's not even on the main slate. Like now everybody's wise to it, right? But if they were just on the main slate, I I, I really think Mike McClure would have owned DraftKings and FanDuel just by virtue of just hammering Mahomes and Kelsey, Mahomes and Tyreek Hill and, and all of those guys, Daryl Williams. So welcome back, Kansas City Chiefs.
0: Yeah, I mean, look, awful job by me. See, maybe you should take over and host this podcast because you're right. I mean, how do I not lead with the Chiefs, right? Like, Mike's been hammering them all year long, and then I know we were talking on Sunday night, and and Mike, you didn't get to play your usual volume uh, on the showdown slate, and of course, that's when the Chiefs just absolutely go off, so uh, it's going to be interesting to talk about uh, later on, and um, on Thursday's podcast, because I think the ownership that we're going to see on Mahomes and Dak Prescott, the Chiefs and Cowboys game this week, is far and away the highest total on the slate. And uh, we're getting Mahomes at, at I think, a a very, very fair value. So uh, we'll we'll talk about all that a little bit later on. But let's jump into our cash game lineup review. Overall, the cash line was back on the rise in Week 10, which makes sense with all the cheap chalk uh, running backs hitting. And speaking of chalk, Dak Prescott, 43% owned in the massive $25 double up on DraftKings. He drops 26.34 DK points, uh, running in touchdowns while up 30 points. For the Cowboys on Sunday, uh, six running backs at double-digit ownership this past week. All of them either met value or provided that fire emoji. So we do like to see that. Uh, not a great week for chalk wide receivers. Mike Evans 60 percent owned. He scores a touchdown, but really not much else there. Uh, Devonte Adams 52 percent owned in this contest. He gives up. Uh, he gives us less than 15 points in this spot. Keenan Allen and Michael Pittman, they were fine. Like they they gave us you know what what they needed to. Uh, Dan Arnold. Just continues to cross 51% owned, 13.7 DK points. He now has 60 plus yards in four of his last five games. And Mike, let's start with you. You get it done here 140.58 in your cash game lineup. You go Aaron Rodgers to Devontae Adams stack, which I think was pretty interesting here. You got your Dearness Johnson, Mark Ingram, and James Connor at running back and flex. You have Keenan Allen and CeeDee Lamb as your uh, other two wide receivers, and then Jared Cook at tight end, and the Lions DST. I thought it was an awesome hit here on CeeDee Lamb, 12% ownership, has the massive game, puts up 28.6. Did you have any thought to maybe come off of Aaron Rodgers uh, for Dak Prescott? You saved the $200 there, and then maybe go up from Jared Cook to Tyler Conklin. It was just a lineup construction thing that I noticed when I was looking at this lineup earlier today.
1: Yeah, no. So in cash, I was pretty clear I was going to play Aaron Rodgers just at this price point. I love Devontae Adams. Unfortunately, the result that we got was almost where I had Devontae Adams' median projection, which I will admit I was much higher on him than the field. Um, so definitely did not get the result I was looking for with this combination. Uh, pretty incredible that Rodgers almost hit the 300-yard bonus without a touchdown. Uh, that doesn't happen very often for someone like Aaron Rodgers. So didn't happen You know, we were a Devontae Adams touchdown pass away from having a much better score in this one, was targeted in the end zone, didn't come down with it. Just kind of the way it goes, but I was playing Aaron Rodgers in Cash all along this week, and I did like Dak quite a bit, um, as you'll probably see here shortly. Had to have CeeDee Lamb in there. We kind of talked about CeeDee Lamb all week, really, on both of the shows last week. Thought it was going to be a great pivot to Keenan Allen. Ended up playing them both alongside each other here in this one, dropping down to Jared Cook. um, Just the way it worked on this lineup. And then the Lions defense, the cheapest one out there, ended up getting off of Najee Harris in Cash games. The ultimate leverage play there was going to be to play the defense against Najee Harris. So that's how this one came together.
0: Yeah, and I think the Lions defense wound up decently popular. 12.7% ownership in this contest. But it was really them or the uh, Tennessee Titans. Once we knew Big Ben wasn't going to play in this game, you know, you get the Lions at $2,300 on DraftKings going up against Mason Rudolph. It's. It, I think it's a perfectly fine spot to use them. Uh, see, I want to go back to the Green Bay Packers, and we'll talk about the run game a little bit later on. A.J. Dillon, 6,200 this upcoming week. I think he's going to be a pretty popular play, but the Packers' defense, they kind of have this thing going on. like What happened with the, cow, uh, the Cowboys earlier this season where we kept playing the Cowboys, but their defense is playing much better now, so they're not getting into these shootouts. I kind of feel like we're in a similar spot with the Packers right now. They are uh, set to face the Vikings this upcoming week, so on paper... That should be a shootout type game, but I think because the Packers defense is playing so well, maybe not.
2: Yeah, maybe not, but I also think Aaron Rodgers was just a little off after missing the week before. I mean, you're right about that Packers defense. It's, it's pretty great. I think they got, they've been a little fortunate in who they faced and when they faced them. I mean, Russell Wilson obviously wasn't himself. It was just a bad game all around, but I, I still, uh, listen, that Minnesota Packers game, I like, you know, I don't, I'm usually the guy on this show that's not stacking Aaron Rodgers with Devonte Adams. This week, I'm definitely going to be kind of more on that train. I think against Minnesota, it's just it just sets up so well, just from a stack standpoint, and just from a playing Aaron Rodgers with Devonte Adams standpoint. So I'm not going to shy away from that one at all.
0: All right, see, so let's stick with you here and go to your cash game lineup where you put up one forty point two zero. You sneak in there as a winner, and uh, you go with Justin Herbert to Keenan Allen with your stack, and Tyler Conklin on the bring back. Tyler Conklin, by the way, <clears throat> excuse me, $3,400 on DraftKings this past week, scores two touchdowns on three receptions, so you gotta love that. Uh, you get the chalk running backs in here, Dearness Johnson and uh, Mark Ingram. You also had Mike Evans, Cole Beasley, and the Titans DST, and where you got different was you go with Christian McCaffrey. put up 26.1 at 2.5% ownership. He was the fourth highest scoring running back On the slate, why did you choose to go with CMC over someone like Jonathan Taylor in this cash lineup that would have given you like three, four hundred dollars to spend somewhere else?
2: Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, so full disclosure, I had three cash lineups this particular week. The other two had Jonathan Taylor in them, but believe it or not, those didn't make the cash. So this happened to be the one of the three that I made that made the cash. And it's you know Christian McCaffrey to me was one of those plays in in cash or GP. P. where if I could pay up for him, I was going to do it. And I was able to find the money because I was paying down with guys like Cole Beasley and Tyler Conklin. So it was the one of three cash lineups where I was like, okay, now I can afford Christian McCaffrey. I'm going to plan because I didn't think he was any worse than, than uh, Jonathan Taylor. I thought they had similar upside. So I wanted some shares there. I, I can't believe he was only 2.5% owned, to be honest with you. Um, this is an interesting lineup because it's not very good. But it goes to show you that you can play two hyper chalk guys that hit. I mean, D- D- Dearness Johnson at 80% in this, in this tournament. But if you can just find, you know, an outlier guy like uh, Tyler Conklin, for example, your cash game is going to be okay unless the rest of the guys are, are, are complete duds. So it kind of, again, we stress this a lot on the show, cash games, you don't have to be flawless. You just have to have one or two guys hit a- along with the chalk that you play and you're good to go.
0: Yeah, no, I, th- I think that's a really fair point. The uh, the ones that stand out here who didn't hit were Justin Herbert and Cole Beasley. And Mike, I wonder if we, you know, maybe we cool off a little bit on, on those two, Justin Herbert and Cole Beasley. Uh, Herbert now has under 16 fantasy points in three of his last four games. So something going on with the Chargers. Uh, Mike Williams dropped what looked like would have been a touchdown. It was like a quick slant where, you know, maybe he runs in there. But um, uh, Cole Beasley apparently still dealing with this rib injury too. So what do you think about those two? Maybe we cool off on on Herbert and Beasley.
1: Yeah, I, you know, I'll say, honestly, I don't know that I've played Herbert all year. Uh, just someone that I haven't been on just because he is someone that a lot of people have been on. And for good reason. He's been very good for the most part. Uh, I've elected to typically just play the pass catcher, which is going to be Keenan Allen or Mike Williams. Uh, as far as Cole Beasley, he was someone I definitely was on up until very, very late in the week. And it really wasn't his fault or any like there's nothing that was telling me I shouldn't play him because of him. It was simply a product of I ended up on both of the chalk running backs, both and then a third running back in all the lineups and the way that I was building those lineups got down to the Lions defense, which was cheaper. Um, I just didn't need a $5,200 wide receiver, unfortunately. So, or fortunately for me, I guess, but uh, I still thought Beasley was a fine play in that spot. And That's just what you're going to run into with that offense Uh, when they're mostly healthy, when they've got knocks out there. They've got both running backs out there and they're winning games like there's a lot of mouths to feed. And every week there's likely to be one guy who gets left out. And unfortunately, it was Cole Beasley this week.
0: Yeah. And uh, it's going to be interesting to see, I think, following Cole Beasley this week and see what his injury status is. I mean, it's a pretty important game. Uh, in the in the AFC, and, and just in general. I mean, for fantasy this week, the Colts at the Buffalo Bills, it's going to be an exciting game there. Uh, but if Cole Beasley's out for whatever reason, I saw that Dawson Knox and um, Gabriel Davis are both uh, very fairly priced this week. So definitely going to be a storyline to pay attention to there with the, uh, with the Buffalo Bills. All right, winner, winner for me. Three weeks in a row I've hit in cash. So, uh... It's a nice little change of pace. I had that run where I was ice cold and, and now we're, we're back on track three weeks in a row. I put up 145.54 in this lineup and uh, go Josh Allen to Cole Beasley with my stack. Just talked about Beasley definitely did not work out this week. Dearness Johnson and Mark Ingram at running back with Jonathan Taylor at Flex. I know James Conner was very popular in cash this week, rightfully so, but Taylor for me was just like, all right, must play in cash, uh, 21% ownership and you, you mentioned it earlier, Mike. I mean, he could have had an even better game. I think he had 20 DK points in the first half and then uh, slowed down in the second half for whatever reason. My other wide receivers outside of Cole Beasley, I had Mike Evans and Michael Pittman. They were fine. Uh, Dan Arnold at tight end. And then the uh, Titans DST here. Pretty standard lineup. We all missed the boat on uh, Dak Prescott and Cash, at least in the lineups that you guys sent me. I don't know you mentioned that you play multiple cash lineups, so maybe you had Dak Prescott in one of the other ones. But um, see, I'm not sure if like you log in early just to see what ownership is on the slate, but that's usually what I do. Uh, you know, I'll check in at like 115, 120, 1:20, I'll see what ownership is, and then I'll log off and you know maybe check back in a little bit later on see if I need to late swap anything. But when I saw Dak at 40% owned in Cash, I was a little bit nervous that I didn't have him in my lineup.
2: Yeah, I, that, I think that was sort of a mistake on our part. You know, there were guys that we like, listen, Josh Allen is a great play. I mean, right. and honestly, this could be so different, right? Because Josh Allen probably should have been responsible for at least four touchdowns instead of just the two that he had. I mean, realistically, it really should have been four. So it, it's, it looks a lot different. But but Dak's price, it, it made a lot of sense. I think for me, I was a little sour with what happened the week before. But I also thought guys like Josh Allen and even Justin Herbert could... Out, potentially outscore Dak Prescott. So I just wasn't on him uh, in most of my lineups, it, particularly in uh GPP. So yeah, it's something, uh, listen, I'll cure that mistake this week when I play a, a good amount of Dak uh, against the Kansas city chiefs.
0: And I'm sure we all will. Uh, there's a very clear two V two, right? So if you, uh, if you go from Josh Allen to Dak, you save a thousand there. And then you could have went up from Mike Evans to Devontae Adams uh, they were both $1,000 difference. So, I mean, that's like the clear play for me. And I think I'm mistaken in hindsight. I should have played Dak Prescott and uh, and Devonta Adams there in that spot. Last thing on this team, Mike, I wanted to ask you. It is quite scary. This is the first time this has happened to me 10 weeks into the season. I did not have any games in the... Af- I did not have any players in the afternoon games. And I didn't even really notice it while I was building it out. It's just like, this is the team that I landed on. I really liked it. And, I you know, I just, I kind of threw it out there. But... Should we, should you always build with at least one player in the afternoon games just you know, to give you that late swap ability? Uh, it's just scary because all this stuff is going on and a, a lot of important players playing in the afternoon slate and I, I had none of them. So it's, it's pretty, it's pretty scary.
1: No, yeah, I mean, I think that the, it's an important lesson. Actually, I get a lot of feedback and a lot of questions and a lot of requests. Like when I share content, it's like, do you know, we need people in the late games. We need that afternoon hammer. We need the players coming up and like, the start time of the game makes absolutely no difference. Um, It's not really something you should concern yourself with. Now, if you're someone who wants to take advantage of late swap, then you need to understand which players are questionable and does that lead itself to a late swap situation. But simply intentionally leaving one player from the afternoon games just because, uh, not something that I would ever do intentionally unless it was with the direct intention of waiting out some sort of injury situation, but... Overall, the start time doesn't matter
0: at all. All right. Well, all right. make me feel a little bit better about that. It was just, you know, when you see uh, the Chargers and Vikings games starting up and, and and the Packers and the Seahawks, I'm just like, how did I not wind up with any of these players? So <laughs> it was pretty scary in the moment, but uh, it's reassuring uh, to, to hear you say that. So let's move on to GPP here and we'll start off with you this time, Sia. And you have a lineup here that puts up 154.64 and you go Josh Allen double stack with Stefan Diggs. Stephon Diggs, breakout game, by the way. I mean, you guys were all over it. I think it was last week or two weeks ago, I said, uh, something's just not right. I mean, the target share's been down, goes out, just has an absolute massive game here. Uh, so you have Diggs and Beasley. All of the bills that you had in this lineup were under 10% ownership. Um, yeah, we talked about how you know Josh Allen basically just ran bad. The, the Jets' defense, by the way, they're, they're not just bad, they're really bad. I, they have allowed 45 or more points in three of their last four games, so... Dolphins this week, definitely in play. Tua, Miles, Gaskin, uh, Jalen Waddle, we'll talk about all of them. You have Austin Eckler and Jonathan Taylor at running back. You have Dearness Johnson in your flex. And then you uh, save some money here with uh, Tyler Johnson, Tyler Conklin, and uh, the Lions DST. Would you do anything differently in this lineup? See you in hindsight.
2: Not really. To be honest with you, I think Josh Allen should have hit harder. I think we all agree there. Listen, the Jets kind of gave up. I'm not saying each individual gave up. I mean, that's a really unfair statement, but they weren't really trying to tackle inside the red zone, particularly in the second half. If they make some plays or oh, some easy plays, I mean, Josh Allen to Cole Beasley or Josh Allen runs it in himself or another touchdown to digs. All of a sudden, this lineup is maybe, you know, 175 instead of 154. I like the Eckler and Conklin play. I mean, obviously Conklin. Hit even though his his targets were were pretty low. But Eckler made a lot of sense because I wasn't getting a piece of that Minnesota Chargers game. So it was a, a nice secondary stack for me to get Conklin with Eckler. And, and I think it's fair to say you play that game 10 times. And you know, Eckler probably outpaces the total he had this week by quite a bit, you know, six out of 10 times. So it was just one of those things. It didn't really fall right for me, but I love how the lineup was constructed. And, and I definitely took a shot on Tyler Johnson. It didn't pay off. He didn't really get as as much. Snap share as I thought he would have, notwithstanding that Godwin was back. I mean, he's played with Godwin before, and he's he's been on the field and and been targeted way more than that. So that was just an unfortunate um, issue with me. But uh, I thought I thought that lineup could have absolutely smashed, and it did well enough to cash, but not smash.
0: Yeah, you know, the Tyler Johnson call, by the way, Sia, he on the field for 69% of the snaps. I mean, as, as the third pass catcher in that offense, I guess third wide receiver, they have the tight ends there too, and Leonard Fournette sees a bunch of targets. I, I think that's about as as well as you could ask. You know, 69% snaps, it's pretty good for Tyler Johnson in this spot. It's just, in general, the the Tampa Bay Bucs, they, uh, they came out flat, which I don't think many people expected, right? Coming off the bye, game against Washington football team, really good matchup. So, uh, yeah, just overall, Tom Brady did not play well in this spot. Uh, Mike, let's move on to the GPP lineup that you sent over to me. You put up 153.14 here. Dak Prescott double stack with CeeDee Lamb and Dalton Schultz. No bring back on the Falcons, which is perfectly fine because uh, they stink until they get Calvin Ridley back. I I feel pretty confident saying that. Uh, And then you really just jammed in the best plays. Uh, You have Dearness Johnson. You have Mark Ingram. You have Devontae Adams. You have Keenan Allen. You have Dan Arnold. You got a little bit different with your uh, DST. You got the Tampa Bay Bucks here at 2.4% ownership. They put up six points. Uh, I wanted to ask you, did did you think that Schultz at 3% ownership made this team different enough considering all the chalk that you use? like, Is it a right to use both Dearness Johnson and Mark Ingram in GPP uh, as long as you get different enough somewhere else? And I guess in this spot, that was Dalton Schultz.
1: Yeah, definitely. Uh, So, Dearness Johnson, Mark Ingram, every single lineup, no matter what, this week. Uh, For me, personally. Just the value is simply too good to ignore. In my opinion, ownership doesn't mean anything um, when the players are priced that way. So, totally fine there. But, yes, the uh, Schultz play... Double tight ends always going to be different and then when you throw a contrarian defense in there as well. Yeah. It makes the lineup very different, very unique. Uh, like Sia, I thought this lineup was going to explode. As you can see, this is in a three max contest. I truly thought this was a five-figure winner uh, at some point during the day. Uh, ended up being uh, you know $300 returned on this one, but uh, Schultz dropped a touchdown pass in the end zone, which would have been one of the last ones that Dak threw. So you add up like what it like truly dropped the touchdown pass. Um, Huge difference here because he ended up four yards short of the 300 yard bonus, which would have given him another passing touchdown that they did not score a passing touchdown on that drive. It was just absolutely crazy. Um, Definitely left some points on the field. And then the Devontae Adams score obviously was hoping for more out of that. Um, I had his medium projection around 26. Should have had 30-plus point upside, in my opinion, in that one. And it all kind of fell apart. You know, still cash, but definitely my favorite build of the week and one of my favorite builds of the season so far.
0: See, I'm going to throw the same question your way regarding the uh, the chalk running backs, right? So can you play the... Do you feel comfortable playing these in GPP as long as you get just different enough, right? And obviously using two tight ends in the same lineup, uh, it makes this lineup quite different, I would say. Uh, and you get Dalton Schultz at that really low ownership. So same question to you. What do you think about using those chalk running backs in GPP?
2: Yeah, it's definitely okay to do. I mean, I, I most of my GPP... P builds had Dearness Johnson with two high high-end running backs, and that was one way for me to get different. And I didn't think Mark Ingram was really going to get there personally. He ended up getting there thanks to the second half. But no, that's absolutely fine. He really, truly got different uh, with Dalton Schultz, with that Bucks D. Uh, so I, I don't really have a problem with it at all. I do want to mention, though, both Mike and I, this is what, week ele- we're going into week 11 now, almost every GP build we've constructed and that we've shown on the show has had a stack with a bring back. And yet this week, both of us had a stack with no bring back. And I think that's just one of those situations where there's a reason for it, right? It wasn't random that we didn't have a bring back. We always have a bring back. And this week we didn't because it was the Jets and, the, and it was the Falcons. And we just didn't see the value in the bring back options, especially with the Jets. Who I mean, you could make the argument for Michael Carter. He certainly got there, but Ty Johnson was involved. Tevin Coleman was involved, like I, I said, he was going to be. And they got Corey Davis coming back with Elijah Moore. Like, don't force a bring back if if you don't have to. And Cordero Patterson for the Falcons. He was a little too expensive. And Kyle Pitts, we knew, was going to be kind of a focal point of that Dallas defense. So it just didn't make sense to really have a bring back in that case. So again, the rules are the rules until they're not. And so this is one situation where the bring back didn't make a ton of sense.
0: You know, I think it's a really good point that you bring up, too, because there's been times this year where I've looked back at GPP lineups that I built and I felt to write about them like I think you know, from an overall construction they made sense, but I think at times I just try too hard to force the bring back, and uh, I've seen it with multiple lineups, you know, other people's lineups as well. So I, I think it's a really good point, especially when you you have teams that have these uh, huge implied uh, point totals, and, and you know they're they're massive favorites, right? So like we know that the Bills are going to score points, we know the Cowboys are going to score points. We don't know for sure that the the teams on the other side are going to score points. So I did have a GPP lineup with Josh Allen, uh, Cole Beasley. Unfortunately, didn't have digs in that lineup, but I brought it back with with Michael Carter, which was fine. I mean, Michael Carter, you know, wound up paying off. But again, I, I think it's a really good point that you you don't have to force it there. Uh, GPP lineup for me that I wanted to bring up here. It it, it look it didn't score a lot of points, but I actually, uh, I overall, just. I like the construction of this team. So 113.8 is what I put up here. Uh, kudos to you. See, you, were, you you told me, Carson Wentz, you, you weren't in on him last week. Uh, you didn't think he was going to get there. So uh, I did go with Carson Wentz here to Michael Pittman, Dan Arnold on the bring back. Uh, I had the Dalvin Cook, Mike Williams mini stack here. Mentioned Mike Williams, basically dropped a touchdown. I saw this tweet from uh, Rich uh, Rebar by the way, at Lord Reeves on Twitter. Dalvin Cook has been tackled at the one yard line a league leading five times a season, and that did not score a touchdown afterwards. So wow. Dalvin Cook, just in general, has been running bad, and I think he had something like seven or eight red zone opportunities this past week, uh, and he still did not score a touchdown. So, I, look, it's, it's going to happen. There's variance in, in, in football. You just have to understand that. Um, Mike, I wanted to ask you, like, basically what I, what we were just talking about with your lineup, I played both Dearness Johnson and Mark Ingram in this GPP lineup I don't know that I got different enough. I was going to ask you your personal opinion. Like I played A.J. Brown at six and a half percent ownership as the as kind of like a mini correlation with Mark Ingram. Right. So like if the Saints are playing from ahead somehow, A.J. Brown has this monster game. Uh, Is it is it different enough at six and a half percent ownership? And then I got Carson Wentz at sub 10 percent. Is that different enough or do you think I need to do something else here uh, to make that work? (laughs)
1: Uh, I would probably do something else. I mean, hindsight is obviously twenty twenty here. I didn't know that the Titans' defense would be that popular. Yeah, um, I, a lot of it focused to that. So that's kind of the issue here that I'm seeing after the fact. But typically, when I'm looking for low owned quarterback, low owned receiver, I'd like to have them. Together. Um, so I'd like to find you know, find situations where my quarterback is eight percent, my wide receiver is less than ten percent that he's throwing to. Okay. The, at that point, then you're most definitely different enough. Um, I'm kind of shocked Michael Pittman still reached twenty percent ownership, honestly. Uh just at that price point, how close he was to the 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 Cowboys receivers, frankly. I love the AJ Brown play. I played a little bit of AJ Brown over on FanDuel. Um, but yeah, it's no, there's nothing wrong with playing those running backs. I mean, you, you still played the best plays in terms of DeAndre Johnson and Mark Ingram. Had you not played those two players, the lineup was probably a lot worse.
2: All right. Yeah, and Frank, one quick note. Uh, Dalvin Cook did actually get a rushing touchdown. He just should have had more.
0: Oh, right, yeah. You're, you're right about that. So, uh, look, it just could have been a massive day for, for Dalvin yeah. Cook there. Uh, all right, so um, as we normally do here, if you'd like to... Join our FFT DFS contest on DraftKings. It is currently live, 150 entries, $5 to get in. The top 15 gets paid out. The link is in the podcast and the YouTube description. Uh, once again, if you'd like to play again, see a Mike, and myself. And shouts out to SD McClanahan for taking down our Week 10 contest here. Puts up 172.54, wins it again by .10. So uh, tough... Tough break there for, for second place. Uh, but in this lineup here, Josh Allen's and Stefan Diggs. No bring back. I think makes a lot of sense. Uh, Stefan Diggs, 6% ownership, drops 33.2. Uh, on Sunday, Dearness Johnson and Jonathan Taylor at running back. You get Dan Arnold at tight end uh, for that mini correlation with JT. And then a bunch of one-offs with uh, Jerry Judy, Tyler Johnson, CeeDee Lamb, obviously a big one here, has that monster game. And the uh, Titans DSC. see what do you think about this build?
2: I mean, I, I love it. These are all our guys that we talked about last week. Like this is like clearly an avid listener and I'm not taking credit away from him because FYI, I I didn't build this lineup. So, I mean, clearly this guy's doing everything right. What's really interesting here is we were so inclined this week to play with three running backs, right? Because we had Dearness Johnson, we had Mark Ingram in a lot of lineups. I, I mean, I didn't necessarily, but a, a lot of people did and it made a ton of sense. And so you kind of wanted to jam in a third running back, like a high end running back there. Cause it's, that, that's going to make you feel whole. Well, this guy, you know, just Dearness, then he pays up for Jonathan Taylor. And then instead of jamming a running back into that flex spot, like a lot of people would have done, he goes with CeeDee Lamb, which is a, an excellent play. We talked about how CeeDee Lamb was probably going to bust out how the week before, They had missed him or Dak had missed him on on a couple of major targets and that Amari Cooper was ailing. It made too much sense to play C.D. Lamb. I wish I'd played more of him. Everything else, listen, Tyler Johnson didn't get there, but 28 percent owned. It kind of tells you that, you know, there was a reason people were playing him. Dan Arnold, we love we've loved all all season. Jerry Judy should have done more. I'm a little surprised he didn't. But this lineup is great. I, I absolutely love it.
0: Ice. Yes, shout out once again to uh, S.D. McClanahan for taking down our Week 10 contest. We hope you come back and play again here in Week 11. I do have a statement, by the way, from my dad, uh, a.k.a. The Don, regarding his uh, sneaky DFS picks from Week 10. They, oh boy, you know, Marvin Jones and Donovan Peoples-Jones, uh, they, they did not work out very well. Quote, things didn't go the way, the way they were supposed to this week. Should be better. He also added, I think I'm going to give two picks every week so they can either uh, play... Go with either or play bolt. So you'll get two picks again this week. Should be better. That's, that's the latest from the Don. So we'll, we'll have that for you uh, here on Thursday's podcast. Let's take a quick break. When we return, early week 11 pricing here. Fantasy Football Today DFS.
1: Robert Half Research indicates nine out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half.
0: All right, so let's take a look at Week 11 pricing. We have two teams on a buy this week, the Broncos and the Rams. Seems like the Rams uh, might need it after getting stomped on Monday Night Football. Uh, yet another week that we can't play Cooper Cup on the main slate, so it's pretty sad, man. I've I, I've missed Cooper Cup. Uh, back to a 12-game main slate. We currently have two games with a 50-point total, according to Caesar Sportsbook. That's the Colts at the Bills, right at 50 points. And then we have the Cowboys at Chiefs, again, Far and away the highest, 55 and a half point total as of now. Uh, we do have three other games that are at 49 or 49 and a half. That's the Bengals at the Raiders, the Packers at the Vikings, and the Cardinals at the Seahawks. We'll see what happens with Kyler Murray and if we can get him or and or DeAndre Hopkins back this week. We have two double-digit spreads. Uh, the Browns are 10 point favorites hosting the Lions and the Titans are 10 point favorites hosting the Houston Texans. Let's start off with the quarterback position. Two quarterbacks. At 8K or higher this week, that is Josh Allen going up against the Colts at 8,100. He's the highest-priced quarterback on both sides. And then we have Lamar Jackson right at 8K. He is at the Chicago Bears. Uh, But let's just talk about the obvious, right? Like, just how owned are Patrick Mahomes and Dak Prescott going to be this week? Because highest total, they're both coming off monster games. Uh, Mahomes obviously was in prime time, puts up 400 yards, five touchdowns. He is 7,600 on DraftKings. That is his... Second lowest salary of the season, coming off a monster game with a huge total. Dak Prescott is 7200 He's the uh, fifth highest priced quarterback on DraftKings. He's the second highest priced on FanDuel. Mike, we'll start with you because I got to give you your opportunity to talk about Patrick Mahomes and Dak Prescott.
1: Yeah, I mean, look, they're both obviously in play. That's exactly where I will be going. Um, Ownership's not going to matter a ton to me. The good news is is they both are going to take some of the ownership. Uh, And then other guys, I think that Aaron Rodgers is still relevant. Uh, 7K on Aaron Rodgers, almost down to 6,900. I think it's going to be a competitive division game. Gets to play in the dome. Doesn't have to worry about the elements there. Furthermore, Aaron Jones out. Uh, Yes, they will still hand the ball to A.J. Dillon, but they might have to throw the football just a little bit more. Uh, And then another name that I want to mention here is Tua. Uh, I think the Tua at 5,500 against the New York Jets, uh, I think he has the ability to put up some fantasy points in this one if we're looking for a cheap value quarterback. Um, But it's really the top here. It's Patrick Mahomes, Dak Prescott, going to be playing both of them. And then, uh, as Sia kind of mentioned earlier, we're going to be going back to Aaron Rodgers, Devontae Adams for sure.
0: I I was actually a little bit surprised that the – Colts and Bills game opened up at 49.5 point total. I thought that would have been higher, and maybe it creeps up throughout the course of the week, but Josh Allen, 8,100, it's a big price tag, but because Mahomes and Dak are, are on the main slate, I think we're going to get Josh Allen at, at at pretty good ownership this week, so I, I do like him quite a bit as well. I like the Aaron Rodgers call quite a bit. It's a strong matchup against the Minnesota Vikings. It's a divisional matchup. Obviously, those are very important. Uh, Tua, no doubt about it. The Jets' defense mentioned just how bad they are. And uh, the Ravens defense made a bunch of mistakes last week where they just, like, blown coverages. They left guys open. Tua found those guys. And uh, the Jets do a lot of those same things. So if Tua can can hit on a few of those uh, big plays, and then we could see a nice game out of him. See, I also wanted to mention Cam Newton. He's going up against uh, your Washington football team, his former coach and Ron Rivera. He is down at 5,100. It sounds like he's going to start this week. I, I really don't know what his upside is, but, like... We saw it first game back. He didn't even play a full complement of snaps. He basically was using like red zone packages. Scores two touchdowns, just like that. Like nothing. So uh, what do you think about the upper tier quarterbacks and, and maybe even Cam Newton at a value?
2: I think Cam Newton is back. You know how I know <laughs> that? Because he ripped off his helmet after touching the ball for the first time and said, I'm back. And it was one of the coolest moments of the NFL season, by the way. With that said, I think his upside is kind of tremendous. I'm not saying he's going to get there, but we know he has the rushing upside. Uh, We know he's probably going to steal a little bit from Christian McCaffrey in terms of that touchdown equity. And honestly, I'm not so sure. Actually, I am sure he's going to be better connecting with DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson just with a week and a half of practice than was Sam Darnold. So I really think this is a really bright spot for Cam Newton at 5,100. I'm definitely going to be playing a little bit of him, maybe even in cash, in spite of the fact that I also love Mahomes and Prescott in cash. And I think he's a really interesting GPP play as well. You could play him standalone or you could play him with DJ Moore, take a shot with Robbie Anderson or... Pair him up with Christian McCaffrey. I, I don't know that I would be doing that last thing. I'd probably pair him up with the receiver and hope that he just takes a couple touchdowns away from McCaffrey. But uh, I like him quite a bit. As far as other quarterbacks that are like kind of bargain bin that that are going to make your lineups work, I do think Carson Wentz is, is sort of in play this week at Buffalo. I, I don't know. You know, they're playing away. I, I'm not sure that Jonathan Taylor. I think John and Taylor is a great play, but I think they will have to pass a little bit more this week. And I think a Wentz and Pittman connection uh, could be solid. I think Joe Burrow was solid. But to your point, I'm going to be playing a lot of Josh Allen again. So for me, it's Josh Allen, it's Mahomes, it's Prescott. And then the tier right below that is Aaron Rodgers and Burrow. But remember, that Vegas secondary is bad. They, they lost another guy last week. They had to cut another guy, Arnett. Um, I think Burrow coming off a bye. This is an easy defense to scheme so there's a lot that i like but it's going to start with prescott mahomes josh allen and i will play some cam newton for sure
0: nice call on robbie anderson too because i am i completely forgot right like so cam threw one touchdown that one touchdown went to robbie anderson and uh man it's like it's like the undertaker gift right like back from the dead robbie anderson i never asked you guys wrestling fans growing up any anything at all there
2: Growing up, I was like in the in the like late eighties, okay. uh, with like Hulk Hogan, so, Andre the Giant, the Iron Sheik. I'm Iranian, so the Iron Sheik was like a really cool thing. Um, yeah, so I, I I enjoyed it and then I sort of but we Mike, we have to say we were, right? Because we're on the early edge, hosted by Jonathan right. Coachman. <laughs> so we're huge wrestling. I
1: was a Jonathan Coachman fan. I was a huge Jonathan Coachman fan. <laughs> growing
2: up. Other there than that,
0: yeah, what do you mean? Were I mean, we still are huge Jonathan Coachman fans. Uh, Robbie That's Anderson, great. by the way, forty six hundred on DraftKings this week. I think definitely could be in play against Washington secondary. Uh, yeah, like the stacking possibilities are awesome. TJ Moore is fifty nine hundred this week. That is his lowest salary since week three on DraftKings. So uh, I have a feeling. Yeah, we're gonna we're. We're going to see a little bit. We're going to see a little bit of the Panthers this week uh, over on DraftKings. Let's move on Mm -hmm. to the running back position. We have four running backs over 8K Christian McCaffrey all the way up to 8,900. Again, Mike called it last week. Big game for McCaffrey. We see that uh, salary on the rise quite a bit. Jonathan Taylor is 8,300. We have Dalvin Cook at 8,200. And then Alvin Kamara, who is uh, still dealing with a knee injury, at 8,100. There are a few names just below uh, that are, are standouts to me. Nick Chubb. Going up against the Lions, assuming he's back from uh, the COVID list, he's 7,800, so it's a big price tag for someone that's not going to catch passes, but against the Lions, I I don't know, Chubb could go for 150 and two touchdowns. It would not surprise me. Uh, And then DeAndre Swift on the other side. He's $7,000, coming off a career-high 36 touches. Yeah, that's right, 36, 33 carries, three receptions last week. Uh, The Lions scored two rushing touchdowns, both of them came from running backs who played less than 10% of the snaps. So it's like, you want to talk about running bad. That that was DeAndre Swift last week. Uh, Mike, what do you think about the the upper tier of the running back position in week 11?
1: Yeah, I mean, I have some interest in McCaffrey. Um, I will say for the Panthers, good luck defending that team in the red zone if they get there. Um, having Cam Newton, Christian McCaffrey, and then the ability for Cam Newton just to throw the football. Uh, but as far as running backs at the top, I mean, Jonathan Taylor's obviously in play. I'm going to be prioritizing higher end wide receivers like I always do. Um, so because of that, uh, we're going to be looking for value. I'm going to assume that Alvin Kamara is going to sit again, and it's going to be a Mark Ingram week again. Um, after that, other running backs that pop, A.J. Dillon, price point did bump all the way up to 62. It's one of the examples where we've been conditioned to see – eighty two or sixty two hundred. It's like, eh, you know, that's pretty high for him. When in reality is when you hand him the keys to that starting role, he probably should be a seven thousand dollar player like DeAndre Swift. Um, So he's going to be someone who's going to be in my player pool. And then finally, I think that, you know, I saw some news on Eli Mitchell might be having surgery, but also might play this week. So, (laughs) you know, (laughs) go figure on that one. But uh, Michael Carter, basically, I'll be looking for that cheap second running back. And I'm sure that that news will emerge by the time. Friday, Saturday rolls around. But as of right now, I'm going to be looking to spend uh, at the wide receiver positions and I'll be paying down, assuming that I can get Mark Ingram. We have to have at least one solid, cheap running back and then that's really going to dictate the build for me.
0: Well, Mike, I think this is the week to do it because, I mean, you mentioned a few of them, but I think that there's a ton of great value plays. Miles Gaskin going up against the Jets. He's 5,700. Look, their defense is obviously awful, but specifically against running backs as well. I mean, they just let... Matt Breida scored two touchdowns. They let Bill's running back score four touchdowns overall, and they let a wide receiver score on an end around in Isaiah McKenzie. So look, they're like, they cannot stop the run right now. Miles Gaskin in a good spot there. David Montgomery is back. We saw him Monday Night Football back in week nine. He was basically, you know, he, he took on the workload, normal workload. He's only 5,500. So I think that's a really good price tag for him uh, as well. If Eli Mitchell can't go, Jeff Wilson is uh 5100 on DraftKings and I'm totally with you on AJ Dillon. Even at 6200, he handled 24 touches this past week, 128 uh total yards. He was a beast. And, and you know, now he's he's going to be that guy for the Green Bay Packers. So see ya. who are you looking at at the running back position? Uh anyone that we mentioned? Anyone that we haven't mentioned yet? What are you thinking?
2: Yeah, a lot of guys that you mentioned. I I, I do want to mention CMC one more time. I'll probably be playing him at home against Washington. But one thing I do want to point out about Washington, too, is they don't have their best pass rushers. Montez Sweat is gone, and you know now, unfortunately, Chase Young is torn his ACL. So that's really an argument more for Cam than anything else. But just keep that in mind, that the best pass rushers, two of the best in the league, frankly, uh, but certainly two of the best on the Washington football team, or the two best, are not going to be uh, present in that game, which just makes things a lot easier for everybody in that offense, including CMC. Uh, I like JT again. I think JT, Jonathan Taylor, is interesting in a Bills stack. If you want to bring it back with JT uh, and then maybe stack, let's say, Josh Allen with with Diggs or you want to take a chance on Beasley, Dalvin Cook in play. I agree with you on Chubb. I think Zeke is a really interesting play just to maybe you could use him in a stack, of course, but you could also use him just to get different if you're stacking somewhere else. Just get a piece of that game with Zeke. Get a piece of that game with somebody on the other side with the Chiefs. Maybe it's not Daryl Williams. Maybe it's a pass catcher, whatever it is. Um, I think Zeke is going to get a lot of run. And I think the game script here is going to be to try to establish Zeke for all four quarters of this game. In spite of the fact that we know they can pass on them, we know they can run on the Chiefs too. So Zeke makes sense. I love A.J. Dillon. He's going to be really popular. So, you know, just kind of deal with that as it comes. He's certainly a cash game block as far as I'm concerned, like Montgomery. I think Collins is interesting at 5K just because... He's 5K and he's at home playing Arizona, who's kind of been fumbling around uh, as of late. So I think that's a decent value play. We'll have to monitor Ingram. Oh, by the way, a little piece of news. Le'Veon Bell just got released by the Ravens. So I don't know who uh, knows that. But th- those are the running backs I like.
0: Yeah, I was going to I mean, I guess if they do that, that means Latavius Murray is probably back for the Ravens. So, I mean, it's it's just enough to, to make the Ravens backfield. Uh, Frustrating, which it it basically has been uh, all season long. Anyway, it's been a whole bunch of Lamar Jackson and uh, his pass catchers, um, obviously, there. I did want to mention on FanDuel, there was a standout. Uh, Dalvin Cook is the third highest priced running back on DraftKings. He's sixth on FanDuel, so you are getting uh, a little bit of discount uh, on Dalvin Cook uh, there. It seems like the early cash build that we're looking at is you're going to take one of Mahomes or Dak Prescott. You're going to have A.J. Dillon in that lineup. Uh, There's... Look, if, if Alvin Kamara's out, then Mark Ingram's probably in there too. And then, you know, you, you spend up either on another running back in your flex or one of these wide receivers we're about to talk about. But that's just like the very preliminary uh, lean that I have for for cash games this week. Let's move on to that wide receiver position. We have three wide receivers over 8K on DraftKings. Devontae Adams at 8,400. Tyreek Hill, 8,200. And Justin Jefferson uh, up at 8,100. And um, no surprise, Mike, but the current top point-per-dollar play that I'm seeing in optimizers is Tyreek Hill in this point total. The targets that he's getting right now, Patrick Mahomes, you know, looks like, he, looks like they figured something out uh, this past week. So I think Tyreek is going to be pretty popular.
1: Yeah, Tyreek's going to be popular. I I love him. Uh, you know, he's $200 cheaper than Devontae Adams, so that's going to naturally push a little bit more ownership his way over Devontae. I like both of them. Uh, I can tell you that, Top three, let, let me sort it real quick and I'll tell you. Um, yeah, Tyreek Hill, Devontae Adams, CD Lamb are top three in the model. Um, Stefan Diggs right behind him, Debo Samuel, but love those guys. I think I'll have two of the three between Devontae Adams, Tyreek Hill, and CD Lamb in most of my lineups. I will have one lineup that attempts to get all three with Cam Newton, a quarterback, and then those two cheap running backs. I think that's very, very doable. So that'll be one of my five lineups, which will be in the tournaments. Um, other wide receivers I want to highlight. I want to highlight A.J. Brown. I think it's a perfect spot to jump right back on A.J. Brown. 7700 here. He's $100 more than CeeDee Lamb going to be obviously cheaper than Devontae and Tyreek Hill, but I think he's going to be the odd man out here this week um, after he was basically, I don't even necessarily want to say shut down. He kind of was shut down by Lattimore, but Tannehill really didn't even look his way all that much in that game. I think that changes in this one against Houston, and uh, yeah, I, I think he's going to end up being a great play. Um, I'll let Sia handle the mid range because I'm sure we're going to talk about a few of the same guys that are pretty obvious standouts there.
0: Uh, yeah, let's, let's hit on that right now. I mean, the, the 6K range, I, I, I don't really love anyone. I mean, maybe Amari Cooper at 6,200. Brandon Cooks at 6K. Uh, I mentioned DJ Moore. He's 5,900. I think that's a great value. Uh, Jalen Waddell, T. Higgins, again, like the value's just not climbing the way that it should be. And uh, I look, we come on here every single week, see, and we talk about Rashad Bateman. He's still just 4,500. He's six-plus targets in all four of his games. So I don't know that we get like a shootout-type game against the Bears, but I mean, at 4,500, he, he really doesn't need to do much to pay off his salary.
2: Totally agree. And I also agree that I'm not really in love with the 6K range. I mean, Pittman does stand out to me a little bit at 6,100. I think that's great value. At Buffalo, it's tough. They're good against the pass. But I think Pittman is, I don't want to say he's game script proof, but I I think he'll succeed in that game regardless. And I think it'll be a little bit of a back and forth because I think Buffalo is going to put up some points through the air against that pretty awful uh, secondary of Indianapolis. But yeah, I I, I think Bateman's great at 4,500. As far as some value guys, I think Gallup at 4,200 makes some sense. If you want to stack Aaron Rodgers and, and you don't want to take Devontae, or you want to double stack Rodgers, which makes plenty of sense against Minnesota secondary. Listen, I'm not exactly on the front of the, the Marquez Valdez-Scantling bus. I mean, he burns people more often than not, but at 3,700, I think it's a chance to take if you think that points are going to be scored through the air, and that they're not all going to go to Devontae Adams. Listen, they, they lost, they don't have their starting tight end. It doesn't look like Aaron Rodgers trusts Digwar very much. And it's basically, in terms of a second option, it's basically MVS or Alan Lazard, because Aaron Jones isn't, there right now so i you know aj dillon might get some catches but i think a lot of the pass catching is going to go to the actual receivers uh beasley at 4800 i think is in play brandon iuke at 5000 i think another guy that might be a cash game lock against the vegas secondary is is higgins we talk about t higgins every single show except last one because they were on a buy and at 5400 he makes so much sense. I'll just throw in a couple other guys. You mentioned the Dolphins and Gaskin. I'll tell you right now, friends don't let friends play Miles Gaskin in DFS. So I'm not going to recommend that, but I will recommend <laughs> Jalen Waddle at 5,600. I think he makes a ton of sense. So as far as value plays, that that's the extent of it for me for now. We'll talk more on Thursday.
0: Uh, yep. A few other names that I'll throw out there as well. Look, T. Higgins, I think, You're exactly right. He's been right around 13 DraftKings points, three straight. Uh, He leads the team with eight red zone targets. He's got a 25% target share. So T. Higgins still makes a ton of sense. Uh, A few under 5K. I mentioned Rashad Bateman. You mentioned Gallup. If for some reason Cole Beasley uh, cannot play this week, Gabriel Davis at 3,900, I I think would be a smash. Uh, Marcus Johnson, I'll just throw the name out there, led the Titans in receiving this past week. Five for 100 on six targets. That was a 22% target share. Going up against the Houston Texans, I mean, their their defense is pretty bad. So he is only uh, $3,500 this week. The tight end position. Uh, go ahead, Mike. Uh, I know you want to you hit something. Oh, out wide one, one
1: more wide receiver. Yep. Yeah, just, I was looking at the pricing here. No one's going to play him. I think it's an interesting time to potentially go back to the Seahawks. Tyler Lockett is exactly $6,000. Um, mm. You know, it's a tough spot for Russ to come back in in the cold and snow at Green Bay. Just the timing wasn't there. Now they've got a week to prepare. They're playing a home game. Against Arizona, Um, you know, division game. It's obviously typically more competitive. So, just throwing it out there, I think it could be a very interesting tournament play this week. Yeah, Uh, I I love
2: that tournament play for sure.
0: Yeah, we know the upside of Tyler Lockett. I mean, this guy can literally break the slate. He could put up like a a a thirty plus, forty plus. We've we've seen it a few times from Tyler Lockett in his career. Uh, Let's hit the tight end position. Everybody is back on the main slate minus Kyle Pitts and Travis Kelsey is up at seventy one hundred. He's the highest priced tight end on both DraftKings and FanDuel. We have George Kittle at the Jaguars. He's 6,300. George Kittle, by the way, looking uh, pretty damn good since he's returned. Darren Waller is going up against the Bengals. He is 6,100. Uh, he's, he's been the opposite of George Kittle. He has just one touchdown over his last seven games, so uh, he's he's been kind of disappointing. Uh, we have Mark Andrews at the Bears at 6K. Uh, our savior, Dan Arnold, is now up to 4,100, so Price is creeping up a little bit there. Uh, I thought Dawson Knox is okay at 4K. Uh, Cole Komet is one that stood out. He's only 3,400, six-plus targets in three straight games. So if you're looking you know, in that lower 3K range, um, see, we'll go to you. I think Cole Komet was one that stood out to me early on here.
2: Yeah, I don't mind that. I mean... Yeah, the Baltimore defense really isn't what it used to be. So uh, he could definitely, the upside I question, frankly, but the ceiling I question, but at 3,400, you're not necessarily looking for ceiling. You're just looking for somebody that's going to, you know, sustain some points. As far as the tight ends go, I mean, Travis Kelsey's obviously in play at 7,100. I don't know how you build lineups with Travis Kelsey if you're playing guys like Tyree Hill and, and a high-end running back and a high-end quarterback, but um, maybe that's all the more reason to play him. I'm very curious to see where his ownership is at on Thursday's show because I tend to think he's not going to be as as popular as he normally is. Uh, a couple other tight ends I'll mention. And I'll be really quick because I mention them every single week. Literally. Dan Arnold and Tyler Conklin. I like them. I like their prices are up, but they're not prohibitively up. Arnold is forty one hundred and Conklin is thirty nine hundred on DraftKings. I think they're playable.
0: All right, Mike, we'll throw it your way. If you're looking to play Travis Kelsey at seventy one hundred, um, you know, how, how are you doing it? Are you doing it with like a, a double stack with Tyreek Hill or, or maybe it's just uh, Mahomes to Kelsey, bring it back with CeeDee Lamb? How, how are you looking to do it?
1: Yeah, if you're playing them, I don't think it's with Tyreek this uh, this week. They actually have a negative correlation, uh, believe it or not. So I wouldn't play them. Like We play them together on showdown slates, but that's because it's a showdown slate and the correlation matters in some spots, doesn't in others like that. So I wouldn't play them together in the same lineup. If you're going to double stack, for me, it would be someone like... Uh, Mahomes to Tyreek and Byron Pringle, or same thing with Kelsey and Pringle, just a really cheap piece. So I will play some Kelsey, and it will be lineups where I basically go Devontae Adams, Speedy Lamb as my two wide receiver spins, um, just to get a little bit different there. As far as tight ends, we, we mention them every week. It's Dan Arnold, Tyler Conklin. Uh, there's only one other, in this Tennessee Titans tight end, Jeff Swaim. Um, he has had five targets, four targets, five targets in the last three games, four catches in each, touchdowns in two of the three games. But at 2,800, he has put up you know 6.6 points and then 12.9, 12.3. He's someone that's interesting enough. They're not going to be super popular. So he's popping. Um, it pro, it profiles a lot like last week. If you remember earlier in the show when we went through the GPP lineup I had, It profiles as another potential cheap double tight end week where I get Dan Arnold, who I view not necessarily as a tight end. I view him as a value wide receiver at this point, which is what I did last week through Dalton Schultz in there. I think you could see the same thing from me this week in the lineups where I try to jam three stud receivers in and a decent quarterback. I could end up with two tight ends uh, using that flex spot on one of these $2,800 guys.
2: And Frank, one other thing to add here, and this is really speculative. Actually, it's not that speculative. The play is speculative, but the information is not. It doesn't look like Logan Thomas is going to be back this week, and it certainly doesn't look like Ricky Seals-Jones is going to be back. Who does that leave? John Bates for the Washington football team at 2,500. He came in after RSJ got injured. He had three targets. He caught all three. I was watching that game as a Washington football team fan. By the way, Tom Brady's kryptonite is clearly Taylor Heineke, who apparently was playing on defense as well. But with that said, listen, value we're going to find this week, but maybe not as much as last week. I think John Bates is, is an interesting play just because of his price and because he's probably guaranteed somewhere between three and five targets at a minimum.
0: You know, I thought you were going to bring up someone like Jeremy Sprinkle, right? Like, there's a blast from the past, right? He's like the Washington football team, third tight end, and I remember uh, him being in play a couple of years ago for fantasy. Uh, you know, that got me thinking about it. I know Dallas Goddard is in the concussion protocol, so I wanted to see, I think it's Jack Stoll is, is the next tight end up there. Uh, yeah, they also have Tyree Jackson on the roster, if you remember. I think former quarterback Tyree Jackson. Uh, so, yeah, if there's no Dallas Goddard, we definitely get uh, some Eagles tight ends at, at, at very cheap. Jack Stoll is uh, 2900 this week. Thursday Night Football will wrap up here. The Patriots at the Falcons. The Patriots are seven-point favorites, 47 and a half point total. We don't know the status of Damian Harris as of now, but uh, if he is out, I'm sure Ramondre Stevenson will be very popular, rightfully so. Uh, Stevenson was ridiculous last week. 55% of the snaps. He had 24 touches. He ran for 100 yards. Uh, I believe he scored at least one touchdown. He might score multiple touchdowns. Uh, he had eight red zone opportunities last week alone. Ramondre Stevenson. So he was great. Uh, look, it's hard for me to get excited about anything else on the, on the Falcon side. Mike, you know, Mike Davis is all the way down to 5,800 quarter. Patterson. It looks like he's going to be out in this game. Seems like it might just be a week for like patch DST and, and maybe some kickers. <laughs> I don't know if you have any other thoughts.
1: Uh, I mean, if Jonas Smith's out again, Hunter Henry could be interesting. Uh, though. They're going to have to force targets to Kyle Pitts, so it'll it'll be a tight end slate. It'll be a kicker slate. Um, not a very attractive shutdown slate, though. That's for sure.
0: See, you have any thoughts on Patriots at the Falcons?
2: <laughs> this one's tough. <laughs> I mean, Jacoby Myers finally found the end zone, so maybe he does it again. We we know just from what we saw last week that Falcons kind of seem down and out. There, you can move the ball whichever way you want. So, I like Hunter Henry. I like Jacoby Myers. Uh, let's see about Damian Harris, who, like you might have said, is back at practice. As far as the Falcons side, you're going to have to take a shot and get lucky at one of these receivers, most likely, between Gage Sharp and Zacchaeus. And if I had to pick one, I'd, I guess I'd go Gage.
0: All right, we're going to wrap it there for Cia and Mike. I am Frank you all for listening and watching Fantasy Football Today. DFS will be back again on Thursday to deep dive each game on the Week 11 main slate. We will see you then.